Thursday, June 26th, and there is no coincidence that I just happened to pick this sell t-shirt to wear on today's show. I know that there's always a winning pitcher and a losing pitcher of record in every single Major League Baseball game. Can we please start attaching John Fisher and Dave Cavill's names to the losses, the embarrassing losses that the Oakland A's have to suffer through because of this freaking ownership group? And, oh, by the way, baseball has just ruined everything. Hi, welcome to the Damon Bruce Show. It's good to have you here on the Plus today. Thank you for joining us once again. It's wonderful to have you. It's not just a show. It's a freaking movement that we got going here. We should be at 6,500 subscribers by the end of the day, which is just making me all kinds of happy. Thank you very, very much for helping our humble little experiment continue to get off the ground. We're getting a little bit better by the day. Unfortunately, baseball is not. Well, at least A's baseball is not. Last night was the real crime in it all is we now are at a point in baseball where it's hard because of the choices that have made by the people who run one franchise and the person that oversees baseball as its commissioner are such glory thieves. Last night, a perfect game is something that is bona fide historic happening, and you can't even enjoy it because of the people who hold the puppet strings of this sport in their hands. It's a shame. It really is. Like, that is what Rob Manfred and John Fisher and Dave Cavill's biggest sin really is. They're stealing genuine memories and moments from the sport and from fans. That was the single most imperfect, perfect game in Major League history, what happened over at the Coliseum last night. There has never been a bona fide, historic, glorious moment cloaked in less glory than last night's Domingo Herman perfect game. First of all, he is a player that it's really hard to feel good about rooting for. He threw a perfect game, a, a player that's hard to root for, threw a perfect game at a location that no one is now allowed to just walk in and enjoy because of the specter of moving to Vegas that hangs over every single inning of A's baseball that they play at the Coliseum. And you're not even allowed to enjoy it because that's a, a team that's trying to lose. I mean, the A's are built to lose. They're not built to win. They're not out there trying to contend or be a, a competitive Major League Baseball team in any way. It's a situation that everyone in baseball would rather have you forget about. I think it was David Sampson on the Lebitard show, or you know, he's part of the Lebitard group of friends. David Sampson basically said, it's a player that baseball wants you to forget about and a team that baseball wants you to forget about playing in a city that baseball wants you to forget about. So Rob Manfred's nightmare come true. Is that what we saw last night? Look, Domingo Herman. Um, he, he pitched an incredible game last night. It, it, he, he, 99 pitches, no walks, no hits. Um, this is a guy who served a 10 game suspension for having a hand that was so full of rosin against the Toronto blue Jays. The crew chief said he's never felt a stickier hand in all the pitcher hand inspections that he, that they've done. So Domingo 
Herman has been suspended for trying to cheat pitching this year already. And a couple of years ago, he served an 81-game domestic abuse suspension. I mean, hard to root for would be the best way to describe him. Yankees fans found him hard to root for. What, do you have a, a, an ERA over, over five and a record that was sub 500? As a matter of fact, he allowed 15 earned runs on 15 hits in five and a third innings over his previous two starts. But boy... Do the Oakland A's have whatever cures your struggling baseball team waiting for you in what is a, you know, a glorified AAA lineup? It's a whole bunch of guys who probably shouldn't be here, probably wouldn't be in Oakland or in Major League Baseball unless someone is looking for the cheapest possible labor force, which, of course, John Fisher is looking for. And it just sucks. Because you know what a perfect game is? A perfect game, whether it happens to your team or for your team, if you are lucky enough to be in that ballpark, you have seen something that is historic, and you got to appreciate it. I don't know how many A's fans were even left in that park to appreciate it unless you you know glommed onto the fact that no one has reached first base tonight and there's a perfect game going on, so I'm not going to get out of here early because it's a big, crooked number, Yankees, zero A's, and I I'm out of here tonight. Maybe you did stick around, but that place was easily 90% Yankee fans at the end of the evening, and the whole thing just sucks to high heaven. There's no other way around it. There really isn't. Again, Rob Manfred's sin is stealing memories. John Fisher's sin, greed, it's not vanity. He doesn't want to be attached to anything. But it, his sin of greed and Rob Manfred's sin of not even caring about the sport that he's the commissioner of, their biggest sin is robbing memories. They're robbing future memories by taking a team away from a community when that happens. They're robbing current being made in real time memories because you just can't feel good about anything that's happening. I mean, of all of the perfect games in the history of Major League Baseball, last night's was the least valuable because it didn't even really come against a Major League Baseball team. The A's aren't even trying to field a Major League Baseball team. So, Domingo Herman, congratulations on your piece of shit perfect game. It's not quite the sip of the day, but that was a good one. That was a good one. Dave Stewart's face said it all last night. Did you see Dave Stewart's face rolling into the postgame show? It was Townie and Dave Stewart doing the postgame show on the set, and Townie's going through his opening uh, monologue. He's opening the broadcast, and Dave Stewart is just sitting there, and he looks like he is ready to stab somebody to death. <laughs> He's just had it with this A's season. It's part of the picture of today's show's thumbnail. And and it's a good one. I even saw uh, one of our early rising plucers, Baron Red, <laughs> said, I need that stew pick for a meme. Like when someone posts something stupid, yeah, dude, Dave Stewart has had it with the Oakland A's this season. Um, it is good to see a whole bunch of people in early. Uh, postman from Capitola in Lake Como. Oh, yo, yo. Thank you for the oi, oi, oi. 
from Lake Como. Uh, that is good living out there. Tell hello, uh, say hello to George Clooney for us. Uh, book him on the show if you can for us. Uh, Eric Johnson, who goes deep into old show music, was talking with Rock and New Era 84, also like a, a musical historian of the Damon Bruce show. And uh, they're talking about the Budos band saying, I haven't switched from up from the south. Yeah, man, that's that's some good Budos band right there. And yes, I used to use that as bumper music. And maybe someday we will again. But uh, yeah, Irwin even says, dude, Dave Stewart hard has the ultimate stare down. He really did. He really, really did. He was just he looked like he was ready to throw inside and brush Towney back. <laughs> he was not happy. He was not happy. How could any A's fan be happy about anything? Um, you know, it's it, it even the wins or losses when it comes to the A's and then to be on the wrong side of history, it just it, the whole thing feels like an insult. So maybe you got to do something to pick yourself up and make yourself feel good and one of the best ways to do that is to go ahead and if I could uh treat uh if I if I could quote what in Z's and sorry from Parks and Recs sometimes you just got to go ahead and treat yourself. This is what I'm talking about when we're talking about lunch today. Go treat yourself. Go get yourself some Ikes. Nearly 100 locations. The 100th location will be coming soon. And I believe it's coming to the Bay Area, but uh, I can't share any inside information with you. Uh, I will tell you that you need to get yourself inside of an Ikes. And if you can't download that Ikes app and have Ikes delivered to you, very good chance that it can reach you uh, no matter where you are. A delicious sandwich coming straight to your mouth from Ikes is a really good way to treat yourself. If you want to go ahead and treat yourself to a delicious cheeseburger, get yourself to Uncle Boy's. Uncle Boy's, a San Francisco original in the inner Richmond, Balboa and Fourth. It is a delicious burger. They are fantastic onion rings. And I keep on saying this, lumpia, lumpia, lumpia. Get yourself the lumpia. I know you're thinking like, you know what would go good with this burger? Some fries or some onion rings. And you're right. Those do go great with burgers. Lumpia. Get yourself a burger with a side of lumpia. Call it a day right there. Go to Uncle Boy's, pick it up, get it to go. It's a great to-go restaurant. Grab it, bag it, get home, eat it, enjoy it. You'll be happy that you did. And then we're safe and sound in the comfort of your own home. Why not crack out a nice little rocks glass and pour yourself three fingers worth of blackened whiskey? Fantastic whiskey. Some of the best whiskey I've ever tried at the price point that you can pick it up at at BevMo or a lot of places where you go out and you get your liquor. If you're in a place where you get your liquor and they don't have blackened whiskey, ask them to order some and then pick up a bottle. Giving people your business is one of the best ways to support the Damon Bruce Show by supporting our sponsors. Support Blackened, support Uncle Boys, and support Ike's. That's how you go ahead and you support me. And you can even, if you would like, hit that subscribe button and hit that like button if you haven't already. Uh, it would mean an awful lot to me if you indeed do that. Uh, the perfect game, the imperfect perfect game last night was the first perfect game in Major League Baseball in 11 seasons, not since King Felix in August of 2012. 2012. 
2012 is, I believe, the correct way to say that. Uh, not since King Felix threw a perfect game in Seattle in 2012. It became the 24th perfect game in Major League history. Again, I believe more men have walked on the moon than we have had perfect games. So it is rarefied air indeed. If you were there last night, I hope you enjoyed it. You did get history served to you, although the lowest grade of history possible. Um, and look, it, I, I've been lucky enough to be at a perfect game. The 22nd perfect game in Major League history was thrown by Matt Kane on June 13th. 2012 against the Houston Astros. He recorded 14 strikeouts that night, tying Sandy Koufax uh, major league record strikeout total for most strikeouts in a perfect game. Kane had 14 that night and none of it would have happened without an unbelievable catch from Gregor Blanco. I will never forget that catch. One of the all-time catches in the history of 24 Willie Mays Plaza. It was all day and night long special laid out fully. I mean, horizontal on the uh, right center field warning track to make an unbelievable catch. Gregor Blanco's signature moment with the San Francisco Giants was that catch in Matt Cain's perfect game. It really, truly was. It was unbelievable. And I was lucky enough to be in the ballpark that night. And it is one of the single greatest sporting events, if not the greatest sporting event I've ever seen with my own two eyes in terms of just the pressure, the intensity. When you reach that ninth inning of a perfect game, it's like the entire barometer just puts pressure on everything and everyone. I mean, I'm up pacing around a press box that night when the game was over I went into the clubhouse did all the interviews and like I so often used to do when I was covering the Giants on a nightly basis on KNBR I would go into the empty ballpark well the ballpark after a perfect game empties out a little bit slower and that includes the ground crew putting the field to sleep there are a whole bunch of things that are done after a major league baseball game that happens to sort of reset the field for its grooming tomorrow when you play another game they put the field to sleep the grounds crew does and they usually are tampering with the mound well i went out to the mound to join the grounds crew on the night of Matt Cain's perfect game after I had grabbed a paper cup, this paper cup, from the press box, and I filled it with the clay that was on the mound of Matt Cain's perfect game, and I have etched this in the least dramatic way. Cain, perfect game. The cup from the night of, the dirt from the night of, and I also have this ball from the night of. It came out of the Giants' dugout. I don't know if it was a game-used ball. I'll tell, tell everyone who asked me, was that used in Matt Cain's perfect game? Yeah, of course it was. I, I have no idea. It's just a ball from the dugout that night. But this ball was in the Major League Stadium the night Matt Cain threw his perfect game, and I've had this cup of clay from the pitcher's mound that night and of all of my major league memorabilia that I've collected throughout the years, this is this is one of my favorites. It really has. And I take this and I put the ball in the cup, protecting, like corking the dirt in there so it doesn't come out. 
I'm sure there should be some very fancy display case concocted for this by now. But again, if I haven't done it by now, I'm probably just not going to do it. And what I do is I take this and I can't even display it behind me because I would look crazy to have a paper cup sitting on the shelf that you couldn't read and couldn't understand. And I also have two boys who will come and take this and start, start spilling dirt all over themselves. So I have to actually hide this behind these books. I put them. I put this behind the books so the boys can't get to it. But there you go. My Matt Cain perfect game memory right there. It's a nice little shaker. Shake, shake, shake. There you go. That's what, that's what perfection sounds like. There you go. A little show and tell today. I had to wear this cell shirt. I had to today. Again, I'm watching a perfect game, and the only feeling that I'm really feeling is frustration and anger and being pissed off. And I've said it once before. I'm sure I'll say it again, but I want to say it right now. Fuck John Fisher. Oh, I hate you. Here comes the sip of the day. That's good. That's good. So this afternoon, the A's are sending rookie Hogan Harris to the slab to try to quiet the Yankees. That is a 12 o'clock something in the 12 o'clock hour start. The Giants are going with Keaton Wynn as their opener tonight in Toronto. He faces uh, former Oakland A, Chris Bassett. Uh, a win today would give the Giants the series before heading to Queens to meet the Mets on Friday. By the way, the Mets... The Met owner Steve Cohn last night or yesterday afternoon um, had his one man press conference that was supposed to steal the back page of the New York Post and be the big to do conversation as, you know, here comes the owner of the Mets, the spend it any uh, spend it all costs owner of the Mets doing a one man press conference because he is pissed about the ROI, return on investment, that he is getting for the money that he's plopped down on the New York Mets this season. So he had his It's Getting Late Early one-man press conference that I'm sure was supposed to generate some interest in the team or certainly win the day in New York media. And you got to love the fact that that's happening on the same day that the Yankees throw a no, or not even a no-hitter, a perfect game. <laughs> Again, Steve Cohn, you might have a whole bunch of money, but it will not impress the baseball gods who have not smiled upon your team and then smiled upon the Yankees on a night where you were hoping to grab some headlines. All headlines in New York are obviously being dedicated to perfection. Anyways, uh, chef's kiss to all of that. Uh, Cohn is not happy with the play that he's getting for the money that he spent. And he suggested the possibility of a trade deadline sell-off if the Mets don't start getting their act together, and they got a big act to get together. Remember, this is the highest payroll in the history of Major League Baseball. Factoring in all the, the luxury tax and everything like that, the New York Mets are at a projected $360 million payroll this year, and they are 36 and 44. They're 17 games back of first place Atlanta. Nine games out of the National League's last wild card. Um, not good. 
So Steve Cohn is saber rattling. He's not happy. And maybe when you're looking for a possible training partner for the Giants, if they're about to get aggressive in any way, shape, or form, they're going to do a little scouting of the New York Mets because that whole thing has got, could get blown up, written all over it. ESPN said mediocrity has permeated the Mets' all-star studded roster with future Hall of Famers Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander struggling to live up to their standards while being paid a combined $86 million. Additionally, Francisco Lindor is hitting 223. Pete Alonso uh, has come back since his uh, bone bruise and a sprain in his left wrist, and Pete Alonso is back hitting 157. He's got a slash line of 157, 232, 431. That ain't Pete Alonzo numbers. So not a lot of happiness at City Field. So maybe the Giants are catching the Mets at the right time. Let's see if the Giants can pick up a series win in Toronto with a win this evening. Uh, this evening, well, what's on TV to watch? Uh, if you are interested in a little golf and what some on course, probably produced with some suggestions of here guys talk about this people are listening uh the match is happening tonight it is patrick mahomes and travis kelsey taking on steph curry and clay thompson by the way andre iguodala has got to be like how the hell did i get left out of this golf trip steph curry and clay thompson going against patrick mahomes and travis kelsey in a made for tv on the course at the what is that the win the bellagio that's the win course i believe um and that's happening tonight. I can't even feign interest in it for you. I can't. I can't. Will I put it on? I'm going to go with a with a maybe. Maybe I'll just throw it on to see it, and I'm certainly not interested in the results, and I don't care who wins, and I don't care who shoots well, and I, I just don't care. I, I don't care. Um, Sorry. I don't care. So this story, though, about ESP, uh, about Travis Kelsey on ESPN saying that, um, you know, my managers and agents love to tell me how underpaid I am. And when I started looking through the rest of this story, it's true. Travis uh, Kelsey is is very much underpaid. Um, I don't know if there's anybody in their position in all of football who's as singularly good at his position as Travis Kelsey is at playing tight end. He's the best receiving tight end in the history of football. He might as well be a wide receiver. He is the straw that stirs the drink that's not named Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs defense. It wasn't Tyreek Hill at all. They lost Tyreek Hill and won a Super Bowl. So Travis Kelsey, boys and girls, he's unbelievable. Chiefs have won two of the past four Super Bowls. Kelsey, who's 33, is ranked 52nd. Among highest-paid NFL players making $11.25 million, which, by the way, goes pretty far in Kansas City. He's doing really, really well. This isn't a, uh, uh, we got to get Travis Kelsey paid. Oh, no. He's doing great. He's doing great. He's the third highest-paid tight end. He should be the highest-paid tight end. The two others in front of him are George Kittle making $15 million, and Darren Waller, who hit the market at the right time for the New York Giants to spend $17 million on him. But the fact that Travis Kelsey is anything less than the highest paid tight end and isn't in the top 10 player paid players in, in football, it feels insane given how impactful he is every single time I watch the Chiefs. 
he might be a better tight end than Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback. And Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football by a lot. Although there are guys that, you know, you could take and win a lot of games there, but Travis Kelsey is just unbelievable. It's amazing that he is the 52nd highest paid player in football. Find me 52 guys who are more impactful every single game than Travis Kelsey. Tomorrow, 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 we got ourselves uh, NBA news a-poppin' as free agency begins. I saw that the Clippers are cutting Eric Gordon, so you can add Eric Gordon's name to the list of looking for work somewhere else. He was due $21 million next season. It wasn't guaranteed, and the Clippers said, Peace out. Thank you very much for the memories. Eric Gordon isn't as good as he used to be. He's still a pretty good player. Uh, I don't know if anyone's going to pay him that. Maybe he'll be a uh, veteran minimum spite signing with the Warriors because he likes playing with Chris Paul that much. Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. But uh, I I can't even begin. And I, I joined Cyrus Satsis on Locked On Warriors yesterday. And... You know, I knew that he was going to say, so when it comes to free agency, Damon, who, who are you interested in the Warriors signing? And my answer for him was, I, I don't even know what players are sitting in the penny dish that the Warriors have to be signing players from. You know the penny dish when you go to the gas station? You actually go in, you play with cash, and it's, it's a uh, take a penny, leave a penny. That's where the Warriors free agent is going to come from. The Warriors free agent will be coming off of three, what, three categories. Veterans who want to chase a ring and are willing to play for pennies. Players who have lost their earning power and the Warriors decide they want to give a a flyer on them because the price is right. Uh, The Warriors will be dealing with the leftovers and anyone who wants to sign just out of spite. So who, what players are playing for Team Spite this year? Yeah, I'll take a lot less money to go try to win with the Warriors. And do the Warriors really, turning around to the NBA, present the, hey, you sign with us, you got a chance to win a title. Is that who they still are? I, I said this, the only thing that I'm sure about this Warriors offseason is that I'm very excited in Trace Jackson Davis and what he might look like as a Warrior in his rookie year. And I'm very excited for just this next NBA season to start, like mid-October, late October, can't get here fast enough. I I am all in on how interesting, for good and for bad, the Warriors are about to be this year. I'm I'm ready for it. That's that sounds like a pretty good sign up for me. Um, the, the other bit of news today that is going to make I'm guessing Joe Lake pretty happy is that the Warriors put in a bid to host the 2025 NBA All Star Game at Chase Center. It's actually remarkable that they don't have that game already played in that building, or aren't already formally scheduled on the All Star rotation. Like it, 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 that building is still very much new. But it doesn't have its new car smell anymore. It's not brand new. And normally you open a brand new building, you get an all-star game as fast as you can get it. For whatever reason, pandemic, whatever, it hasn't come. I'm going to tell you, an NBA all-star game at Chase Center will be glamorous for the glamorous crowd. Not for you and me. I mean, if we had to buy tickets to that, we'd be lucky to get in the last three rows of the upper deck. It's an expensive ticket. But Chase Center... 
has all kinds of VIP nooks and crannies for all the celebs to come in. And it is the, the, the all-star game at Chase Center would be a really big deal. And it brings some really good business into San Francisco. So there you go. The other places that are in contention to host the 2025 NBA All-Star Game are Phoenix, Los Angeles, Milwaukee. No one wants to go to Milwaukee. I don't think it's going to be Milwaukee. L.A., are they going to... Now, is that like at the place that Balmer is going to have open by them? Will he have it open by then? I don't know. Are they talking about doing that at Don't Call It Staples Center anymore? Um, in which case, you can skip that. Phoenix Phoenix has got uh, an arena that's had some upgrades to it. What, their new owner's probably going to put even more money into that building, but I nah, no, 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 bring it to here's the thing. It's time for Chase Center to have an all-star game. So there you go. Not that the All-Star game is necessarily even watchable. There's no defense being played in it, but there you go. The other story that is developing is that the NFL is coming down hard on four players for gambling violations. That's happening. Uh, ESPN reports that Isaiah Rogers and Rashad Berry of the Indianapolis Colts free agent uh, Demetrius Taylor all suspended indefinitely, so through at least the upcoming season, for betting on NFL games last season. Tennessee Titans offensive uh, tackle Nicholas Pettit-Farrar is being suspended six games for betting on other sports, but he he did so from within the Titans facility. So I guess he is allowed to bet on other sports, but you better be doing that at home because if you do it in the NFL facility, you can get in trouble that way too. Sources familiar with the activity at the online sportsbook account used by uh, Isaiah Rogers of the Colts told ESPN's David Purdom, on Thursday, that upwards of 100 bets were placed, including at least one wager on a game involving the Colts. A source told ESPN that friends of Rogers, who were in Florida, encouraged him to place many of the wagers. All I can tell you is Isaiah Rogers is you need better friends. Little tip to anyone watching who's got a friend in the NFL, you should not be encouraging them to bet on anything using an online app. Like, what do I got to teach you guys how to be criminals? Even doing an, this is a legal activity, right? Well, I guess there isn't gambling in Florida yet. But, like, I, I, I feel like Stringer Bell in The Wire, like, are you taking notes on a criminal conspiracy? Like, if your friends are encouraging you to bet... Put them on a cheap flight to Las Vegas or Atlantic City or whatever they allow sports betting and, and, and have them do it in cash there. Oh, there's a better uh, uh, thought. Don't bet on, on the sport you play in. What, are you kidding me? What kind of friends are encouraging their friend who's in the NFL to do something that could submarine their earning power as a professional athlete so they can make a $50 wager on a three-team parlay or whatever the hell it is? That's just like, what the fuck are you guys thinking? You know, this is cr clearly not crew big brains. So... 
The uh, Titans player who suspended six games told Adam Schefter, the betting I was engaged on was not NFL related and was under uh, legal under Tennessee state law. It's only being sanctioned because it occurred at the Titans facility. If you are a professional athlete and you want to gamble, wait until you retire and then gamble your dick off. You know what I mean? Just wait. Just wait. I mean, you're chasing dimes while you're threatening dollars. What are you doing? I seriously, I need to be on speed dial for professional athletes to come and ask Uncle Damon, what's the right thing to do? And normally, the right thing to do is whatever you're about to do, don't do that. Just don't. Just don't. It's real simple. Are you a professional athlete? If you check the box, yes, yes. Uh, don't don't gamble on sports. Don't gamble on sports if you're a professional athlete until you're done being a professional athlete, in which case you can probably get yourself, if you were a high enough profile, a professional athlete, an endorsement deal with one of these gambling accounts. I mean, it's just insane. It's insane. Before we slip over into Club Plus today, I want to wrap up with a story that, again, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know what to believe here, but a UFO expert says that he's got the photo to prove he has seen a UFO. Okay, let's read a little bit about this because I did click on the photo, and there's no doubt that he's got a, a picture of something. But it's so blurry, it's so far away, it's you know, like every other definitive UFO photo, there's nothing definitive about it. Is it odd? Sure, it's odd. It is technically an, un an unidentifiable object in the air. But what it is, what it's doing, wh where it's from cannot be garnered by this photograph. I looked at it. I looked at it, and to me, you know, there's a lot of these UFO sightings. How come not one of them has a good picture? Not one of them. Not one. We are literally a society of everyone. I see homeless people with iPhones. Everybody has, like, the ability to nearly take professional pictures with the phone that's in their pocket, yet we can't get a clear picture of a single UFO from any continent on the planet, not never. And I'm not saying something isn't up there. I don't know. I'm not so arrogant to think that we are the only measurable, intelligent life in a universe that goes to infinity in every direction. That would be arrogant. But how come the only people cranking out definitive UFO pictures are UFO experts? Like, wouldn't a guy named Mike have seen one by now or Sully or just, you know, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Kevin. Kevin, what do you do? I fix radiators and I got this picture of a UFO. It's always the UFO expert. Like if you're, if your photograph that you're now debating about Bigfoot is being generated by some guy who in his spare time chases Sasquatch sightings, it's something's goofy right there. Like it's got, I need to see a definitive UFO picture from someone who's not billing themselves as a UFO expert. The photos were taken with a Nikon P7 
digital camera and appear to show the side view of a UFO as well as the underside of the mysterious flying object. The guy who took the picture, the UFO expert, his name is John Mooner. Is that his real last name? I mean, you're chasing aliens and your last name's Mooner. That's, that's really well done, John, if that's your nom de plume for chasing UFOs. Uh, he says that he then saw the object fly away at a thousand miles an hour. Okay, first of all, you've never seen a thousand miles an hour. You don't know what a thousand miles an hour would even look like. So don't tell me that you got it clocked at a thousand miles an hour. Look, I'm not saying that there isn't someone up there. I'm just saying that if they are up there, I don't think they're like visiting in any way that we need to be concerned about. And in a world of everybody, I mean, we're talking billions of people have professional quality cameras in their pocket. We can't get one clear, non-fuzzy, there it is image of any of these. So I don't think I believe in it, man. I I I just I don't. You're gonna have to do a little bit more to convince me that there's a UFO out there. You're flying saucers. I need somebody who isn't claiming to be a UFO expert to show me this. I always always liked the question. If you were elected president. Of the United States. How long do you have to wait until you ask if aliens are real? <laughs> because you've got to figure the U.S. government would know, right? They would have that definitive answer at some point. Who, how long do you have to wait as president to find that out? And who the hell didn't tell Donald Trump? Because you know for a fact, if he knew he'd be, the, the aliens, they're out there. It, I've seen it. I know it. My son got a billion dollars. My son-in-law's got a billion dollars from them. <laughs> you know he would spill the beans or the beans would be available in a box in a bathroom at Mar-a-Lago. And no, that's not me going Fiesta Politico. That's me using a political figure to tell a joke about UFOs. So don't get your panties in a bunch. And I guess that's really good advice to end any show with. Don't let anything bother you too much. It sucks that I had to watch and you had to watch a perfect game happen last night. And the whole thing made you feel icky. Didn't feel like history. Just felt like a moment of yuck. That stinks. Thank God we have the pure soul that is Shohei Otani to save all of us. Sell the team. Sports don't build character, they reveal it. And like that, he's gone.